Amen. Open to you again. Amen. Thank you for your precious blood. Amen. Wash us from this whole day. Amen. Lord, we just love you. Amen. Give this time to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your precious blood. Amen. Thank you for all that you have done. Amen. Thank you we can take you as our life. Amen. Lord Jesus, cleanse all our inward parts. Amen. We look away from all the things that happen in the day. Amen. We look away unto you. Amen. We focus our entire being on you. Amen. Lord, cover our time together. Amen. Really bless this meeting, Lord. Amen. Lord, we love you. Christ, He finds His 
for this time. Amen. Thank you for gathering us together. Amen. We thank you for speaking to us last week. Amen. We pray that you will open your heart to us again tonight. Amen. Speak to us corporately. Amen. Speak to us individually. Amen. Open your heart to us. Amen. Open your heart to us tonight. Amen. Thank you for the words you've been speaking to us. Amen. Open our ears. Amen. Open our heart to what you would say tonight. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that through your mercy and your grace we're here. Amen. But, Lord, speak to us tonight. Amen. We want to hear what is in your heart. Amen. Oh, we open our whole being to you. Amen. Oh, Lord, be faithful to us. Amen. And speak a word of truth. Amen. A word of build up. Amen. Oh, Lord, we love your speaking. Amen. Speak to us tonight. Amen. Lord, speak to us tonight. Amen. And we love the church. Amen. Build us up as one. Lord, we give you this meeting. Amen. We demand that you be present. Amen. We demand that you speak to us. Amen. Lord, open your heart to us tonight. Amen. We want to see your heart. Amen. Lord, be with us in this meeting. Amen. Be with the speaking brother. Amen. Really anoint him in this time. Amen. We want to hear you tonight. Amen. We want to hear your economy tonight. Amen. We want to see you tonight. Amen. Saints, just a few practical announcements before we begin, before Brother Gerald shares. There is translation tonight in Korean, Spanish, and Chinese. If you have a radio, Chinese translation is 88, 88.1. 88 Korean is 92.5. And Spanish is 107.9. Again, Chinese, 88.1. Korean, 92.5. And Spanish, 107.9. Okay, um, last week we handed out an attendance sheet. If you were not here last week or if you did not sign the attendance sheet with your information, can you please sign it tonight? We will send it around uh, during the speaking. In a, just just in, a, in a minute or two, we'll hand out a sign-in sign sheet. If you did not sign it, please sign that tonight, okay? Uh, also, last week we, we would like to know if there was anybody who had a, who had a personal recording of last week's message, uh, an MP3 recording or something. The, uh, the audio that we had had some problems with it. So if you, if you had a personal recording of your own, can you please see me after the meeting? Thank you. Okay. Well, Saints, let me tell you what we'll do tonight. Because there is a co-workers meeting going on, so most of the brothers are occupied in the other room there. So uh, we'll take turns coming in, you know, to do the sharing tonight. Uh, I will start... And then um, I'll take about 15 minutes, and then a couple of brothers uh, will share something, and then Brother Ron will come in and share something, and then Brother Benson will come in and share something. So uh, that's, that's the uh, program for tonight. Huh? 
Um, okay, a um, couple of days ago, Brother Benson asked me, you know, to say something in this meeting to you all. And I've been away, and, and I have not been in your previous meetings, so I don't know, you know, what the Lord has done amongst you. But I do believe, you know, the Lord has done, is, is doing something here from all the reports that I've, I've heard. Uh, in particular, the Lord is doing something within each one of you. And that is the precious part of the Lord's work, which is within. Um, so when Brother Benson asked me to say something, uh, he asked me, what's my burden? And uh, it was a blank sheet. And I just said, you know, there's one word, you know, from the book of Luke that is very much in me and that I very much enjoy that I'll share with the saints tonight. So that, let us open up to Luke chapter 12 and it's verse 21. So open up your Bible to Luke cha- chapter 12, verse 21. So, oh, let's all read together. So is he who stores up treasure for himself. And is not rich toward God. Okay, let's read again. Let's read one more time. Right. Now, uh, what the Lord really touched me in this verse are those three words at the very end, rich towards God. Rich toward God. Um, this term is a very particular term. Um, some Bibles translate this as rich in God. Uh, but this is a very particular utterance. Very unusual utterance. How can you be rich towards someone? Um, if I say, you know, that you should be rich in God, I, I'm sure you understand that. Um, or, or, or if I say you have to be rich with God, uh, you understand that. And yet the, the, the word, the utterance here is that we should be rich toward God. A very particular utterance. Uh, I'm sure this word includes all the meanings, you know, that I had uh, said earlier. You know, um, yes, I'm sure it means you should be rich in God. And you should be rich with God. And yet it's more than just that. It is rich toward God. Now, uh, I don't think I can expound on this. Uh, but let's see how the Lord would open this up to us tonight. Um, this verse touched me because when I was considering the book of Luke, uh, in earlier in chapter 4, the Lord said, you know, in the verses about the Jubilee, that he was anointed to announce the gospel to the poor. And it was there, you know, that the Lord showed me this verse in, in chapter 12. It is the poor that need the gospel. You know, if we were to write the gospel, we probably would say to announce gospel, to announce the gospel to the sinful. Right? And we can understand, you know, uh, those who are oppressed, you know, those who are in, uh, captive, those, uh, those who are blind, well, they need to be liberated, they need to be set free, and the gospel sets them free. We can understand that. But the word here is that the gospel is to be announced to those who are poor. In other words, if you are poor, you need the gospel. And you need the jubilee. So who are those who are poor? Who are those who are poor? So you go to chapter 12. And the Lord there gave this parable of this man who was prosperous in his earthly possessions. The land that he had yielded so much. 
and he had grain and a lot of, you know, produce. And he said, oh, I have so much, I got to build another barn, you know. That he, 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 what, the, the barns he had couldn't contain what he had. And I got to build another one. And the, the Lord said, you know, foolish man, you know, don't you know, tonight your soul will be required of you. And then the Lord said this word about, you know, so is he who stores up tra- treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In other words, you know, this parable shows us who are those who are poor. <laughs> and it shows here that in this universe, there are two economies going on. This man in Luke chapter 12, he was rich in the earthly economy, but he was poor in the heavenly economy. And I am so burdened for this, saints, because today we are living in this current of the age where everyone seeks to be rich. You know, this was never the case. You know, in the 70s or 60s, everybody wanted to be a hippie. Who cares to be, you know, rich? <laughs> and then, you know, the age turned, you know, the worldly age, and now everybody wants to be rich. Uh, saints, I, I want to tell you that there are two economies in this universe. <laughs> and remember this man in Luke chapter, chapter 12, who was rich in one economy, and he was destitute in the other economy. He was a foolish man. You know, that he got so rich in the earthly economy, and yet he was not rich toward God. In this day and age, you know, we need to see and to live our life according to God's economy, and not according to this earthly economy. While the world and all the worldly people try to be rich, to make more money, you know, uh, to save up, you know, nest egg, um, to have, you know, more for a 1K, uh, all this, you know, to a bigger house, bigger cars, brothers, sisters, you need to be rich toward God. You need to see clearly what economy are you in. You're not called to be in this earthly economy to have so many things and yet not rich toward God. God wants us to be rich toward Him. You know, uh, so, in the Bible, you know, a number of places, you know, it talks about the rich. And, and you know, Brother Ron talked about Luke, probably, he was a, a well-to-do physician. You know, he had a good practice. Nowhere, in no other Gospels, did, 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 did uh, the Gospel writer say so much about, you know, so-and-so was a rich man. If, if you just look up, you know, the Gospels... You see, you know, Luke had a very particular utterance, and I believe this is part of his speaking, you know, particular speaking in the Gospel of Luke, that we would not be caught up in the economy of this age, not in this earthly economy, not to set our goals to become rich in this world, and yet be destitute and not being rich toward God. So, saints... um, I, I, I don't think I have the time to go, go into all the points now. First um, Timothy tells us those who intend to be rich, chapter 6, verse 9, eventually they are just trapped, you know, by all these things. They are ensnared. You know, if you intend to be rich, you know, you will be ensnared. Um, 
But this matter, you know, of, of being rich toward God, saints, has something to do with your experience of the Lord. You know, you're being full of Him. Uh, and this is a lifelong thing. You need to build up these riches throughout your whole life. These riches do not come overnight. <laughs> In this economy, I tell you, there is no, you know, winning the lottery and overnight, you know, you're rich. There's no such thing. You become rich toward God day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And if the Lord would, you know, grant us, you know, the time, you know, maybe by the time you're 40 years old or 50 years old or 60 years old, you would be rich and richer and richer toward God. I think when you're 60 years old, you need to be richer toward God than when you were 50 years old, than when you were 30 years old. Because all the time, there's been some accumulation. All the time, you've been laboring and causing the riches of Christ to accumulate in your being and to be constituted into your being that you are one who is rich toward God. In other words, a lot of things have taken place between you and God. Before God, you are rich. Toward God, you are rich. There is a lot between you and God. Your whole life, there is so much that took place between you and God that you are a man that is rich toward God. God can only use those who are rich toward Him. You know, Paul said that he announced as the gospel the unsearchable riches of Christ. If Paul was not a man that was rich toward God, he could never announce the unsearchable riches of Christ as the gospel. And you look at Paul's writing, how much of the riches of Christ was announced, was opened up. This didn't just come to him in the flash, you know, in the like, like a dream, like the Old Testament, you know, concept of just having some revelation. This is the Old Testament way. But the, in, in the New Testament way, you know, God has worked himself into this man. To the point that he was rich toward God. And that richness and those riches, he could then announce as the unsearchable riches as the gospel towards the unbelievers and towards the believers. <laughs> Our service, saints, how rich is our service to the Lord depends on how rich we are toward God. I, I just pray the Lord will give you all, you know, this aspiration not to be trapped, not to be ensnared by the earthly economy and not to have this kind of um, uh, uh, aspiration like the worldly people, oh, I want to get rich. No, but rather you would have the aspiration to be rich toward God. You know, I want to be a rich man toward God, not toward the world, not toward this present evil age, but toward God. I'm rich. Now, just quickly, saints, for us to become rich toward God, I would just say two things. Number one, you must have the Word of God. You must let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is, I tell you, the way to become rich. You must have the word of God. And saints, 
if you want to be rich toward God and your service to the Lord be, could become a rich service, you must have the word richly. <laughs> no person who is without the word can provide a rich service to the body of Christ. You must have the word. You must labor in the word. You know, don't just take the word in a um, uh, uh, in 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 in, in a, what uh, a light way, huh? Or, or or just just ta- taking it lightly, uh, casually. Yeah, casually. Um, I know, you know, we come to all the trainings. Uh, the Lord, you know, may cause us to have the burden, you know, and the, uh, the aspiration to come to all the trainings. And that's very good. But you must every day take the Word of God seriously. You must take the Word of God seriously. You, you know, we heard about, you know, Brother Lee, uh, even when he was at home and perhaps not feeling well. You know, in the morning, he would rise up, he would dress up, and then come to the Word of God. <laughs> and after, you know, he's contacted the Word of God, he may change back, you know, to his other clothes and go, you know, rest or whatever, right? But that shows us the attitude of our brother towards the, 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 the Word of God. The reverence, the sense of, of um, gravity, you know, towards the Word of God. And some of you, you know, have seen his Bible, right? Some of you have been to his house or seen, you know, pages of his, part, his Bible, you know, with all the markings and the notes on the margins. And, you know, here is someone who took the Word of God seriously. And as a result, the Word of Christ dwelled in him richly. I tell you, this is the first secret towards being rich unto, or toward God. You must take the word of God and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Um, you know, to some extent, you know, like, like two days ago, I, I, I just came back. I just came back from overseas and, and Brother Benson said, you know, what, what are you going to share something? What are you going to say? <laughs> right? Well, you, you need to put yourself on the same kind of test. <laughs> Every meeting you come to, you know, even though there's not a brother to say, uh, what are you going to share today? You know, you need to put yourself under that same kind of, of, of uh, uh, exercise. Well, I'm coming to the meeting tonight. What am I to say? Am I, am I coming empty-handed? You know, what, what am I going to say? You know, if you have this sense of, of the need, you know, to serve the Lord in a rich way, you yourself, you know, would have the sense of urgency you know, to labor on the riches of Christ so that you would come, you know, with the riches to serve the saints. If you look at, in Leviticus, you know, talking about the sin offering, um, it talks about, you know, first you, you do a ram, and then it says, if those who cannot afford a ram, you know, they can take something from the sheep, and then it says, if those who cannot af- afford a sheep, they can take a turtle dove. And if those who cannot afford, you know, a turtle dove, they can take something like a tenth of an ephah of, of fine flour. You know, you, it's very interesting. The word is that if you cannot afford, <laughs> that means you're poor. You're poor. You're not rich toward God. You don't have the riches to offer up 
for God's satisfaction and to build up the church. <laughs> so, saints, I, I, I say we all need this aspiration, you know, to be rich toward God. All the time to be laboring on His Word so that we have the riches of God being deposited into us. And all the words that the ministry really is, a, we say what, an opener of the mind, of the treasure. You know, the mind, the M-I-N-E, not M-I-N-D. It opens up this mind, opens up all the riches. So you have to be in the word and in the ministry so that the riches are deposited into you. So the first point I say is you need to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Second thing I say, saints, is, you know, we need God to work in our lives. Um, And the example I would give here is the life of Jacob. Jacob died a rich man. Jacob died a rich man. You know, not physically rich, although, you know, in Joseph, you know, he was physically, you know, on top of the world. Um, but I tell you, all the riches that Joseph was dispensing, Joseph and as an extension of Jacob, all that came from the life of Jacob. All the suffering that he passed through in typology, all the suffering that he passed through resulted in the riches with which he could feed all the people. If a life, if a person's life is just uneventful, nothing happens, day after day, um, not so much riches. <laughs> I do know, you know, saints, in my life, there were times that the Lord would raise up some situation. The Lord would raise up some situation. And those situations may cause some suffering. But those situations with the suffering eventually caused me to be enriched, to become more rich toward God. You have to ask the Lord and give yourself to the Lord and give your whole life to the Lord. You have to give your whole life to the Lord that the Lord would have the freedom and the liberty to work in your life. However he arranges, however it pleases him, you tell the Lord, Lord, I give my life to you. I want my life to be that you would work your riches into me. I want at the end of my life that I can say I'm one who is rich toward God. You know, at the very end of the Bible, in Revelation, the Lord chastised the church uh, in Laodicea. You say you're rich, but I tell you, you're poor. Right? They thought they were rich, but they were poor. In other words, they were short, short of God being subjectively worked into them, experienced by them, incorporated into them. For this, it is inevitable that the Lord will use the environment, use the circumstances in our life, you know, to cause His hand to have the freedom to rot something into our being. And the result is that we are rich toward God. This is why, saints, we need to give the Lord the permission. We need to give the Lord the permission, the consecration to the Lord, 
you know, not a kind of consecration so we can work for the Lord or that the Lord will you use us in something, you know, but to give the Lord the freedom and the liberty and the permission to do whatever He wants in our life, to rot Himself into us, that we, at the end of our life, we will become men who are rich toward God. I think my time is up. So, Tim will share something. As one who's who's been under this fellowship to the young adults since since um, about eight months ago when it began, I wanted to uh, testify some of my my personal experiences of how this has helped me. Um, no doubt, we're all short. I'm, I've fallen short in many ways, but I cannot deny that that the Lord has gained something through this fellowship, and I'm I'm just so encouraged that we're having these times. Could we read in First um, Timothy chapter four, verse twelve, and then fifteen and sixteen? Let no one despise your youth, but be a pattern to the believers in word, in conduct. In love, in faith, in purity. Practice these things. Be in them, that your progress may be manifest to all. Take heed to yourself and to teaching. Continue in these things, for in doing this, Amen. So Paul, Paul spoke this to Timothy as one who would continue in the ministry that Paul had. And I feel like our generation today, we're, we're, um, we're the Timothys, right? Amen. We're the Timothys following in the pattern of the brothers who've, who've gone before us. Amen. And I feel like this is a really special time that the Lord is calling us and we can all testify inwardly there's a desperation. How do we go on, right? How do we go on in the church life? How do we, how do we what does it mean to practice these things, Right? Um, well, you know, we, we need to um, we need to give ourselves, right? I I just um, you know in pre- in preparing, I just felt like today is an opportunity for a new beginning to give ourselves to follow, right? Amen. To follow the brothers who've gone before us to practice what? Well, I would say it's to practice the church life, right? According to the ministry that Brother Nee and Lee and all the brothers who've gone before us have offered here for us. We have these vast riches. And now it's up to us, as, uh, as Brother Benson called us last week, the waste of the body, right? The midsection should be the strongest part of the body. Uh, we need to rise up to, to bear the burdens in the church, right? And, um, and continue in these things. And the result will be something which, which, I, which you know, it says here um, in, in verse 16, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Right? There's a salvation in bearing the burdens of the church. And, and the burden, of, you know, the yoke is light, as the Lord says. The yoke is light. The labor is, is not hard. But we need to be those who step forward and come forward to bear the burdens in the church. 
And um, in, in my personal experience, I, you know, I've had the opportunity in District 3 to, to, to bear some, small, some burdens in the church. Um, and what an opportunity to get to know the saints, you know, serving with children's meeting. Brother, Brother James Kim, my dear brother, right? We get to know each other in, in the meetings uh, in serving with the children, right? This is a wonderful opportunity to, to bear the burdens. In sixth grade, in, in, uh, in speaking in the meetings, there's so many opportunities. Um, in, in, the, in the book, uh, Messages to the Working Saints, Brother Lee says that in the past years, maybe there weren't so many opportunities to serve. But, but today, that's not the case. We have no excuse, saints, for not bearing the burdens. They're all there. There's more burdens than there are people. Right? So it's really up to us to step, step forward and bear the responsibilities in the church. Um, one thing that, I, that I've really appreciated is having new beginnings, new, a new start. Week by week, when we go to the Lord's table, it's a new beginning, right? Every day when we get up in the morning, is a new start in the Lord. And I, I, I just praise the Lord that this fellowship time is a new beginning. And, and I feel like all of us corporately can give ourselves to live um, according to this, this vision, right? We want to live a vital life to be functioning in, in, in a normal way according to our measure. Um, in Ephesians chapter 4, we see, we see that the church builds itself up through the joints of the rich supply, right? But then there's another, another part of that. It's the operation in the measure of each one part. So, saints, we are the each one part, yeah. right? We cannot rely just on the joints of the rich supply. Amen. In Anaheim, we have some precious joints of the rich supply. But there are so many that are, that are, that are parts, right, that are critical parts. And my burden is really that we would not despise our portion. Amen. But we need to see how critical it is that we would function according to our measure in some way. It may, it, it may be as simple as in the district meetings, we look around and we consider who here is a young adult that may be struggling a little bit, right? Maybe there's a new one that you don't really know. It's, um, Brother Benson charged us, come a little bit early to the meeting. Stay a little bit late. Get to know the saints. And in this way, then our heart is enlarged and we're, and we're able to bear the burdens of maybe it's just one other person. And then, and then in the week, we can pray for that one. Right, and then it, and then maybe there's one more, and maybe we need to pray with a companion, together with companions. So I, you know, to me, I just, I just have been so helped by this over the last few months. As a young one, I have a family, I'm married, I've got a busy, busy work life and in the schedule, but in the midst of all this, saints, we have to figure out a way. We have to figure out a way to be overcomers in this age. Right, the Lord is really calling us. Not, not the older brothers, it's us. It's the younger generation. It's the 20s, and 20s through 40s. Um, I, I went through the training five years ago. I, I, you know, year after year, we, we come through the training. Maybe you didn't go through the training, but I, in my experience, I remember seeing so many saints that have been, and now where, where are they? Well, these are ones that we need to have in our, in our heart, right? We need to consider the saints that we, maybe we grew up in the church life. Where are they now? Right? These are ones that we can pray for and, um, and bear in, in a way of a, a ministry of intercession. Right? We're praying um, with a companion for, for all the ones in our age group to, to rise up and function according to their measure in the church life. Amen.
So I just, uh, I want to be, you know, as I'm here standing, I, I wanted to, um, you know, in Psalm 110, right, it talks about consecration. Psalm 110, verse 3, Your people will offer themselves willingly in the day of your warfare, in the splendor of their consecration. Your young men will be to you like the dew from the womb of the dawn. So, saints, I just feel like today we're in a warfare, right? And we need to be those who give ourselves willingly in the way of consecration. So, I just give myself before all of you to live according to this, this burden, to, to live this out, right? We have the blood. Will we fail? We will. But we have the blood. We don't wait. We continue. And we, and we stay with the saints with, and we pursue with those who have a pure heart, right? Amen. And, we, and we, uh, we pursue toward the goal. And, um, and in the end, I believe that, that um, the church in Anaheim will be greatly blessed by this age group rising up to function according to their measure. Amen. Amen. Well, Saints, um, I wasn't able to be here last week, uh, but the brothers asked me to share something of my appreciation uh, related to the fellowships that we have had in the last few months. And uh, I would like to start saying that I am so thankful to be in the Lord's recovery. And I am so thankful to be in the church in Anaheim. I really appreciate the heart of the brothers. um, And I also appreciate to see that we have a practical way to go on. we have the way to be the overcomers. Amen. So I am so encouraged. I was just impressed with the, uh, with the word that Brother Gerald shared about being rich toward God. Um, and, you know, I was considering uh, this last, uh, this last uh, two weeks, um, and it just happened that this is one of the verses uh, that was used last week here in the fellowship. And this is in uh, 1 John chapter 2. Uh, the matter of the father's the young man, and the children, right? And uh, I was impressed with the point that Brother Gerald shared. He made the statement, God can only use those who are rich toward God. So we, in order for, those, for us to be the young man, we need to be those that are rich toward God. Those that day by day, week by week, year by year, are becoming rich toward God. I just wanna, I just wanna say that I wanna be this kind of a person. Actually, I wanna say that I choose to be this kind of a person. Um, the young men who are strong, in whom the word of God abides, those who overcome the evil one, and those who not, who do not love the world. And uh, you know, in the last, the last few, uh, few months, I believe, uh, some of us brothers have been getting into this book. Uh, called Messages Given to the Working Saints on Tuesday nights. And um, I, w- I just want to read a portion here um, that really touched me today. Broly says, The reason I am speaking this message to the working brothers and sisters is that they are standing at the edge of a cliff. On the one side is Christ, and on the other side is the world. You can step over... Th- over to the side of the world and fall, or you can step to the side of Christ and be lifted up. Today I have a burden to save your life. This is an 11th hour decision. 
You must not make the wrong choice. I am, I am most thankful that on the afternoon I was saved in 1925, I made a right choice. I have not regretted even until today. I believe I will never regret this choice. Then he says, Many brothers and sisters among you are very clear within that they have to love the Lord and to stand on his side. But I am not sure about your condition. It seems that you are standing on the Lord's side, yet you have left a bridge that links you to the world. You have not removed the bridge, much less burnt it down after you cross the river. Later he says, This message is my warning. Today, not only have I burned the bridge, but I have even lost my way of return. My burden this time is to infuse grace into you, that hopefully through the grace of the Lord, your problems could be solved once for all, and that you could say to the Lord, Lord, burn my bridge. I cannot burn it, but please burn it for me. Anyways, I was very touched with this portion. Um, I was also touched with the verses in Romans 14 and 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 in the matter of living to him. Uh, And the brothers share that to live to him means that we are fully one with the Lord. His goals are our goals. His desire is our desire. And I believe there, to some degree, uh, this is our case tonight. I believe that uh, so many of us being here tonight It's a testimony of the deep longing within us to grow in life, to go on in the Lord, and to to be useful in the hands of the Master. Um, You know, uh, also in Romans 12.1, I was touched with this verse as well today. Um, It says that we need to be those that present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Um, And it's interesting that bodies there is plural, but a living sacrifice is singular. That means that if each and every one of us corporally become a sacrifice, then the Lord will be pleased and will be satisfied. So praise the Lord for this time, and may we go on together. Amen. Amen. I will share with you three organic life principles and then apply them to your spiritual life and to your human life in a very um, direct way. And these, what I'm calling life principles, To me, these are not objective truths. Uh, These are the constituents of my being. They govern everything, just as the organic laws in our body govern everything. Uh, None of this will be new but I believe it will be new in the sense of fresh. Okay, the first. Seek first the kingdom of God. So simple. 
seek. If you do not seek, you will be swept. If you do not seek, you will drift. If you do not seek, uh, something will enter in that will misdirect you. Seek first. First. Uh, Nothing else competes. Not marriage. Not children. Not health. Not security. Not spirituality. Not a job. Not a profession. Nothing is first. The kingdom of God is first. And we seek the kingdom of God first. And we cannot expound the kingdom of God tonight, but as many dimensions, the Lord's ruling, the life seed developing in you, Christ Himself living in you, the divine life functioning vitally in you, the church life, the coming kingdom. You either seek the kingdom first or you don't. And the kingdom that we seek first, according to the context of Matthew 6, is versus the anxiety of the unbelievers. They are all governed by the economy. What will we pay for gas next year? Where will we live? What will we put on? How will I pay for my kids' college education? Over against all of that, we seek first the kingdom of God. Then the second organic life principle that I'm mentioning is very much related to the first. And that is, do the will of God. If this is not what governs you, then I don't understand you. I I can't relate to you. I, I don't know what you're doing as a believer or in the church life. We are here to do the will of God. According to 1 John chapter 2, the will of God is versus the world. Not only the Father is versus the world, the will of the Father is versus the world. Those who do the will of God stand in opposition to the world and are opposed by the world in every level. But we are here to do the will of God. The Lord said in Matthew 12, He who does the will of my Father is my brother and sister and mother, indicating that to Him the real family relationship is not natural. The real family relationship is determined by whomever does God's will. I don't care to reason about permissive will, perfect will, how to know the will of God. The crucial thing is to do it. Those who do the will of the Father will be in the kingdom of the heavens. The will of God is versus 
all kinds of lawlessness. It is versus the very principle of lawlessness in the entire world system. We are among the most radical people on the earth. We stand against the age. We stand against the tide. We stand against the world system. And we stand for the will of God being done on the earth. That's a governing principle. Then the third has been touched upon, and that is living to the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 5, Christ died for all that those who live might no longer live to themselves. So there needs to be a no longer in our realization. We live to the Lord. In Romans 14, Paul says, no one lives to himself and no one dies to himself. Whether we live, we are the Lord's, or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And this is versus living to the self in every way. So these are the three principles. Seek first the kingdom of God, do the will of God, and live to the Lord. Now, the application to, I'm not going to say my, because I'm not the object of this fellowship, and I'm not going to say our, as if we're all in the same situation. I'm going to say your, okay? And your, in quotes, may not include exactly everyone in this room. But if you have been saved for a number of years, if you are around 30 or getting there, from uh, and then the years following, if you have been to the full-time training and were a pretty good trainee, you need to know where you are, generally speaking, in the experience of life. And you need to understand where you are, how where you are relates to these three principles, and how the Lord is going to, how shall we put it, care for you, shepherd you, deal with you, according to where you are. So generally, where is your age group? You are not clearing the past. You are not primarily dealing with sin, dealing with the world, or even dealing with your conscience. If you're a relatively newly saved one, or you're in... The younger bracket, you know, 22, 23, this might be your situation. This is not where Andrew Lee is. He is, I assure you, in the early experiences of the third stage of the experience of life, dealing with the flesh, the self, and the natural constitution under the discipline of the Holy Spirit. This is where this age group is. Intrinsically, organically, in your life with the Lord, this is where you are. 
you may not think that you're at this point. I assure you, you, you dealt with your past. You consecrated initially. You're sensitive about sins. You confess sins. You are ashamed of when you have a failure. You don't love the world in principle. You're exercised to take care of your conscience. So how are you going to end up just a conscientious, ethical, moral, scriptural, biblical kind of person? Then by the time you're 60, you're stuffy, self-righteous, opinionated, dead, non-responsive. No way! That's not the kind of heart you have. You want to be a God-man. You want to be the reproduction of Christ. You want to build up the body. You want to be overcomers, right? That's what's in your heart. So you are in this stage of dealing with the flesh, then with the self, and then with the natural constitution until you begin to disintegrate like Job, like Jacob, and are reconstituted in resurrection life. You may say, I don't want to be here. I don't like it here. Too bad. This is just part of the growth process. You know, you were a junior high, whether you wanted to be or not. You had to go to high school, whether you wanted to be or not. This is part of the growth process. And it's going to, be, it's going to last for quite a period of time. All of you can relate to this. We're all under the, you're all under the discipline of the Spirit to touch the flesh, the self, the natural life. Spiritually speaking, your future usefulness will be determined by whether the Lord can gain you in these areas before you are very far into your 40s. This is quite a period of time. I'm not suggesting, actually my feeling is the contrary, that you should withdraw from active function, that you should lessen your vital participation in the church life and somehow wait until you get through all of these. No, don't do that. But please realize, this is where you are. Saul, this is where you are. Not just dealing with the world, dealing with your conscience. No, your flesh yourself, your natural constitution. How can the Lord use someone who is natural? How can the Lord minister if He's natural? How can we really pray the prayers of God if we remain natural? So, the Lord, once we are entering into our 30s, if we have been seeking the Lord for a period of time, we're going to be in this third stage, the stage of the cross, under the discipline of the Holy Spirit, until one of two things happens. Until the Lord gets through, and there is a fundamental breakthrough in your being, and the balance shifts in your being toward the triune God who dwells in you as the Spirit. That's what I believe will happen. Or the Lord will take His hand off you and let you go. That's something to be feared. Now, if we seek first the kingdom of God, if we are set to do the will of God, 
And if by grace we live to the Lord, we will open our being and make our inner being available to Him for this kind of transaction over quite a period of time. Now, to finish, our human life, and actually I have more feeling here even than on the spiritual side. We can't avoid it. And those of you that are married that have young families, you are just at the beginning of the age of maximum human responsibility. Wait till they're all teenagers. You've got to pay for the insurance of a teenage male driver. Wait till they're going through the orthodontist program the second time because the first didn't work and the daughter has lost her fifth retainer, right? One is thrown into a trash bin. Another was left on a, on, on a table a hundred miles away in northern Michigan. The next one was stepped on at a youth retreat. Then they're going to graduate from high school and they need their college education. And you wonder, how are you going to bring them through all of this? Then you yourself are in your first or second midlife crisis, okay? This is all on the human side. So what do we do? Okay, regarding our job. Daniel. Was Daniel full-time? Just consider Daniel. Daniel, outwardly, was a civil servant in the government in Babylon his whole life, from his youth up until an advanced old age. Remember what happened to him when he was put into the den? What did the king say of him? How did the king refer to him? Daniel, servant of the living God. And then the king said to him, The God whom you serve continually, He will preserve you. The Lord has ordained that we work. To work is a law. Anyone who does not work properly at a job can never be useful to the Lord. But we're concerned about Career? Did Daniel have a career? If you could have breakfast with Daniel, would you say, I'm on a career path in Babylon. I've got a track. I'm on my way. I can't be king, but I'll be way up there. Daniel had no kind of thought. Daniel realized, I have to work. I've been trained to do this. I'm a civil servant. I'm in administration. I will do an excellent job. If they want to advance me, let them advance me. But everybody knows I serve the living God. And my job will not cut me off from Him. Nothing will cut off my connection to the living God. Any place you have been for a period of time, by the way you work as a God-man, your co-worker should have the impression Intrinsically, you serve God. There is a brother among us from Riverside who is a college professor. 
That's his outward occupation. Inwardly, he's been serving the Lord his whole life. So this matter of our job will be a big area to seek the kingdom first, to do the will of God, and to live to the Lord. Intrinsically, there's no difference between a full-timer without a job and a full-timer with a job. Because inwardly, they're both the same. They live to the Lord. They work to the Lord. Everything is to the Lord. Everything is in oneness with the Lord. Everything is according to the Lord's will. Everything is for the Lord's kingdom. Everything is to give the Lord the ground to operate within their being. This is our job. If you have in your heart a career, I admit I'm 30 plus years older than most of you. I don't understand you. I don't know what you're doing. I can't relate to you. I'm, I'm completely lost. I thought we were here for God's kingdom. I thought we were here for God's will. And all that is involved. I thought we're living on the earth to God, not to be something in this world. This doesn't mean you can't be a doctor, you can't be a nurse, you can't be a professor. Be a doctor the way David Vinson and Rick Scatterday and Blanca Scatterday are doctors. If you're going to be an accountant, I'll give you the names of brothers and sisters who are accountants. They do their job, they advance in their profession, they are experts at what they do, but inwardly they live to the Lord. And this becomes an unspoken testimony. I don't know how this works, but it does. Now with the family. God has arranged that we live in family units. The unit of salvation is the household. The Lord made it very clear through Paul in 1 Timothy, that if a man does not provide for those of his household, he is worse than an unbeliever. So we have responsibility to care for our spouse, to care for our children, to raise them up humanly, to teach them morality, to give them the gospel, and to provide for their education. We have to do this. It has been my practice, or was, under Brother Lee's explicit direction to his co-workers, you must have a family night. You must take care of your family. I believe if you check with my daughter and my sons, who are all middle-aged, even the youngest one, technically, is almost there. They will tell you two things concerning their parents. One is, they were absolute. Number two, we had no lack. We know where the best campsite is in Yosemite. I can tell you how to get there, as long as the entrance is not on fire. I can tell you how to get there in the high country. I was at Texas Stadium when the MacArthur Cardinals were losing 
in the playoffs to the Arlington Colts, those bad guys. I know how to be a God-man dad. To be a God-man in relation to the family. But, there are a couple of basic lessons. And I've just got a couple of minutes left considering the time from which we started. Parents cannot determine the spiritual destiny of their children. You can't do that. You should fully expect all of your children to be saved. That's a promise and that's a principle. But you cannot determine their spiritual destiny. Only God in the Godhead can do that. You cannot do that. Eventually, you'll have to let them go. I have uh, no doubt many among you, your hearts will ache. Your hearts will break. That's just the way it is. Because you have to give them or allow them to exercise their God-created freedom. But there's a deeper lesson yet. And eventually, especially the dear sisters, have to get through in this. Now, if you've got one little child, three, and you're carrying another one, I don't expect you to learn this lesson tonight. But the Lord's recovery needs sisters and brothers who learn how to deny the natural affection for their own family members and love them with God Himself. The Lord said in Matthew 10, If anyone loves father or mother, son or daughter, more than me, he is not worthy of me. The Lord's love is supreme and it's absolute. One day my older son, he asked me, he was about 16, he said, Dad, who do you love more? Do you love the Lord more? Or do you love me more? Well, one thing about kids when they ask parents questions like this, they already know the answer. <laughs> but it's important for them to ask it anyway. So I assured him that I love him. But I love the Lord first. And the love that I have for you is not a natural human love. Now, it's really wise that the brothers wedge in my part in the middle so it can be balanced by what preceded it and by what will follow it. But I mean business. I mean business. And I believe you mean business. And this is not a young people's meeting. This is a young adult meeting. And you can have young adult transactions with the Lord. 
governed by these principles. Seek first the kingdom of God, do the will of God, and live to the Lord. Then recognize for the next 10, 15, or 20 years, the shepherding spirit will seek to work more and more on your inner being so that Christ can make His home in you. And you will not live by the flesh, by the self, or by the natural constitution. While that is going on, you'll learn how to be a God-man in your job, to do your job to the Lord and in the Lord, how to be a God-man in your family, to be Jesusly human, to read Curious George Flies the Kite for the 47th time to a child who has memorized the whole book and will pin you down whenever you out of boredom skip a page. You will learn how to do that in the mingled spirit. You'll go to soccer games. You'll go to parents' night at school. You'll go to graduation. But your family will realize my parents seek first the kingdom of God. My parents do the will of God. My parents live to the Lord. How blessed am I? Okay, this is what's in my heart with deep, deep feeling for you all. That you would seek the kingdom of God. You would seek it. Your whole being, all the time, is seeking the kingdom. Your attitude is, you will do the will of God, whatever it is, whatever it costs, whatever it involves, and you will live to the Lord, and these will govern your spiritual life and your human life. Praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you all. following my sharing that we would like to uh, fellowship particularly with you brothers and sisters. Uh, praise the Lord that Gerald could be here and that Ron could be here and then a, a couple of you could be here and have the sharing today. Anyhow, brothers and sisters, I'm so happy to see all of you again. I don't know how the numbers compare, but uh, anyhow, it's very the close. The numbers are close, and it's so good that many of us are back again, and so good that uh, that we're all those who haven't come are here now. Well, I would just like to say a little bit about uh, 
what we asked you all to practice this past week. And I don't have time to say much more than that, but I would like to ask you, concerning the four matters that we ask you to do your best to practice, how you did on these matters. I would say, why are we burdened about this? Because you practice some of the matters that we're going to ask you to practice. That is your door. That is your way into the full experience of Christ. We need a way in. We don't want to just listen to messages, but we want a way in. And in the Lord's recovery, I believe the Lord has opened many matters in such a simple way and given us the door to enter into so much. We do have the great truths. We have all the different experiences of Christ before us. We understand what we're doing here. We're not dumb. We have some feeling about the Lord's recovery. But the danger is whether we're going to all enter into it or not. And although these points that we have given you last week and a couple or three more we'd like to give you this week are very simple, I can assure you, you practice them and you gradually will enter into this rich Christ that is before us to experience. This will be a great blessing to you. If you wouldn't enter in, uh, then what is laid out before you by the Lord, may not be entered into. And the first thing that we ask you to do is to go before the Lord and consecrate yourself unreservedly to the Lord. Did you all do this last week? We didn't ask you to do it every day. It's good if you do it every day. But we just ask you to do it uh, one time. To give yourself unreservedly to the Lord. To consecrate yourself to the Lord. To become a person who is absolute in seeking the Lord. You know, I was just looking up uh, some things that Brother Lee wrote concerning consecration. You can also look up the same ways. But I was very struck with this point that what is the basis of our consecration? Why do we want to consecrate? Number one... That our basis is that He has bought us. We belong to Him. This is something He accomplished on the cross. Through the shedding of His blood, He paid the price and He bought all of us. Then in time, we received Him as our Savior and we became His in our experience. Brothers, this is the basis. Actually, we have no choice. He owns us. He bought us. We belong to Him. We don't belong to the world. We don't belong to sin. We don't belong to anything except to Him. But, there's a big but. God will never override our will. You don't want to consecrate yourself to Him. You don't want to give yourself fully to Him. No doubt he would be very disappointed and is disappointed with many Christians today. But he will never override your will to take control of your life in that way. He is waiting 
for you to willingly and joyfully consecrate yourself fully to Him. And then I would say, this is the beginning of your Christian life. You will enter into experiences you've never entered into before. And eventually you'll see things you've never seen before. And why are we able to do this? What is the motive? What's the power that produces this? The motive power is the very love of Christ. He poured out Himself in love to buy us, to gain us. And He loved us so much that He gained us. And brothers, that love is returned by us. We love Him because He first loved us. And brothers, if we touch this love in such a wonderful way, in a strong and prevailing way, we can do nothing else but consecrate ourselves to the Lord. If you haven't touched this love, you may feel this is very difficult. If you've touched this love, you don't feel it's difficult at all. And then what's the significance? The significance is that we become a sacrifice. A sacrifice, a living sacrifice, put on the altar. And eventually, we are a sacrifice absolutely to God. And when we're put on the altar, having consecrated ourselves, the Lord receives this sacrifice, and the Lord deals with that sacrifice, and He burns that sacrifice in typology, and eventually burns you fully to a crisp. But, once you are burned to a crisp, so to speak, what is the real case? The Lord is so happy, and you become the Lord's food. Can you believe? The highest thing, the highest uh, portion that God has with humanity are the ashes on the altar. God loves the ashes, and the ashes become His food. You want to become food to God? Consecrate yourself to Him. Give yourself to Him. And you will become food to Him. And what is the purpose? I just wrote this down. The purpose is, the purpose of our consecration is that God, so that God can do as He wills in all of us. So that we're able to, number one, to live Him. Number two, to serve Him. And make us just like He is. This is what the result is. And this is the purpose of our consecration. Without the basic consecration, there is no way to pass through all of these things. Then secondly, we ask you all to begin to have morning watch every morning. Through this morning watch, through entering into the Word, every morning, just for a period of time, it's better in the morning than at night. If you don't have the way in the morning, don't put away the night. But, to, to touch the Lord in the morning, in the freshness, this is the top portion of the day. And the top place in the day. 
that we can receive and enjoy the Lord. And brothers, I hope you have begun, if you were not practicing morning watch, at least this week you began. And you found a way every morning to go before the Lord. For what? For some enjoyment of the Lord. It is in this time with the Lord that we enjoyed the Lord. We call on His name. We open up to Him in the Word. And we begin to touch Him and receive Him. And He ministers Himself to us. And we're very conscious that the Lord is with us during this time. This is the time of full joy. And actually, this is the time of the rising of the sun for all of us, spiritually speaking. This is the time the sun rises within all of us. And I can testify to you all, the days when I am, I do not, for some reason, I'm not able to have a time with the Lord, that day is altogether different than all the days when I spend time with the Lord in the morning. And of course, the church has provided a great asset and a great help to us to have the time of morning revival. And that is in the Holy Word for morning revival. Just a few verses that we can open to. You know, every morning we need to quote Jeremiah 15 16, isn't it? Thy words were found, and I did eat them. This is our breakfast. Coming to the Word. And, and that verse continues, These words were the joy and rejoicing of my heart. If you want to start your day with joy and with rejoicing, come to Him and receive His Word. And I hope you all would begin to practice having morning revival. And beside that, we ask you to uh, spend some time to read the Word. And I want to show you this New Testament here. Maybe some of you have this. This is a New Testament. It does have the outline in it. But mainly it's just text. And you know, you heard Ron just share here. He's got this New Testament. And I see him many, many times sitting in a chair or eating his lunch. And what's he doing? He's reading. He's got this New Testament out. And he's just reading through it again and again. I know he's going Matthew to Revelation. Matthew to Revelation. How can he find time to do that? He just uses whatever time he has. And he opens this New Testament, this version or this printing, and reads through the New Testament. Brothers, learn to read through the New Testament. If you read the footnotes, that's even better. But right now, we're just talking about reading the Bible. What a transformation the Word of God will make for all of us. We need to receive this Word every day. May the Lord bring us into that. And lastly, we ask you to pray. Not just to have morning watch. Uh, You have to pray when you have morning revival or morning watch. But we need to just find a time to pray for five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes. 
Ever how long your spirit will allow you to pray? You should pray every day. You know, when can you pray? While you're sitting there behind the desk and you're taking a break, take a break for five minutes and just pray for five minutes. And don't pray for, you know, low things. Pray for God's move. Pray for God's economy to be carried out in the church in Anaheim. Pray for your the unbelievers that you're taking care of. Pray for things associated with God's move. Just take some time. Pray for five minutes. Pray for ten minutes. Pray for fifteen minutes. It depends on how strong your spirit is and how much you can release your burden. Brothers, we all need to pray. And of course, as we pray, that is an exercise of the Spirit in which we touch the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I'd like to ask you again, did you consecrate yourself? Did you have morning revival every morning this week? Did you read the Word every day this week? Did you also spend some time to pray Every day this week? Well, one brother I liked his testimony. He said, well, I have to give myself about 3.75 out of 4. Well, that's not bad. It's not a 4, but it's, it's 3.75. Well, maybe some of us can only give uh, 2.5, you know, 250. Uh, or maybe even less, maybe. But anyhow, it doesn't matter what your grade is. And even if you failed, that's okay. you got another week. And we would ask you, brothers and sisters, to enter into these, these matters. Okay? Well, I'd like to quickly say something else. Brothers, we would like to do something that was practiced by Brother Lee and has been practiced in the recovery many times as the Lord moved in His recovery. And that is to give the persons opportunity to stand up and consecrate themselves to the Lord before all. To stand up as a couple, to stand up as a single brother, a single sister, or to just stand up and to give yourself to the Lord. This is very meaningful. It doesn't just become a testimony before God, but it becomes a testimony before the church that I am giving myself unreservedly to the Lord. In 1968, in Eldon Hall, we were having a conference. And just out of the blue, someone stood up and consecrated himself, and maybe his family, to the Lord. And another followed, and another followed. And we spent three meetings that day, and people just standing up to consecrate themselves to the Lord and to the church. And that went on for two full days before Brother Lee got back to his sharing. He just sat there and listened to everyone consecrate themselves. There was another incident in... Early 1970s, when people were consecrating themselves to the migrations, many, many, many stood up 
and consecrated themselves to move out of Los Angeles to other parts of the United States. And out of that consecration, so many moved and began the church life all over this country. We had our experiences in, uh, in 1987. Well, when, yeah, 1987, we were in Taipei. And Brother Lee opened this matter to the saints to go full time, to uh, give themselves uh, to the training, and just to give themselves to the Lord and the church. And everyone took a number. And I don't know to what number we were up to in Taiwan. It, it was over a thousand that time stood up and consecrated themselves to the Lord. And out of that, there was a great move of the Lord. Well, that same year, uh, it came to the United States. And there was the same fellowship. And the same opportunity was given to all the young people, especially, to stand up and consecrate themselves. And, you know, I noticed my daughter's here and her husband, Jim, Susanna and Joe. Her name's Prim now. He's, he's with Joe Prim all the time. But at any rate, they were there as junior hires in that meeting. And uh, uh, I think your number was what, Joe, when you stood up? Where are you? Uh, 1808. 1808. It was up to 18, over 1800 by that time. And Susanna's was 1833. Right, Susanna? I called her today to ask her her number, what her number was. And that was a consecration they made to the Lord. They were junior hires. And, uh, you know, I don't know Joe's upbringing, but I know my daughter's upbringing. And there were a lot of times I just didn't know what was going to happen with that consecration. <laughs> but praise the Lord, she made it. And she came to the training. Uh, part of her consecration was to come to the training when she was in junior high. Well, it was many years later than that that she finally came to the training. Right? It was related to the training, right? Yeah. It was a long time. Well, what? That would have been about six or seven years plus four plus the training. Uh uh, a little more than ten. Anyhow, at least ten years. And praise the Lord, she made it to the training. And you know why she made it to the training? I, when, what I believe is she may have not have known what she was doing, but she gave herself to the Lord. And whoever gives themselves to the Lord, the Lord honors that. And for your whole life, the Lord will honor that. And the Lord will bring you into untold blessings your whole life, brothers and sisters. Well, what we would like to do tonight, uh, I had another point, but even I'll leave that. I'm sorry we were about ten minutes behind schedule when I stood up, and we're a little bit more behind now. But we would like to take some time, brothers and sisters. And what we would like to do We'll start with number one. And then everyone that would like to stand up and consecrate themselves to the Lord.
And I just wrote down uh, a few points. I, I just, you can, we can just read this. Uh, let me see if I can find it now. Yeah. I would say, I would encourage you to concentrate yourself in this way. Something like this. From this day forth, I consecrate myself to you, dear Lord, to Christ and to the church. I consecrate myself, I consecrate my family, I consecrate everything I am to live and carry out God's divine economy. All that I have, all that I am, all that I will ever become, I give it all to you. I give my whole life, I give my whole being, and I do it all without reservation. I don't say say those same words, but I encourage you, say something similar to that. Those that have the burden, and we feel we would only take 20 seconds that's the most you get. Nobody can be long-winded at 20 seconds. Better 15 seconds. But those that would have the burden, brothers, this is not just an individual consecration in your heart before the Lord according to what you spoke. But this is a consecration in the presence of the church. And it is most meaningful to the Lord and it is most meaningful to the people of God. And all that would have the feeling and have the burden to do that, we wanted to take the remainder of the time that we will be here together and give you opportunity to do that. You have heard uh, what has been spoken to all of you young adults during the past months. And... And you have heard what was spoken here last week, just to you, and also what was spoken at the present time tonight. And we're glad that these words could be spoken to you. But brothers, there needs to be a reaction to this speaking. And I hope many of you would react by giving everything to the Lord. Praise the Lord that many of you, and most of you I believe, and maybe all of you, consecrated yourself to the Lord this week. But may we take up this opportunity in the presence of the, the church, I would say, to speak something again. So let's have it. We just go ahead. Lord Jesus, it is by your mercy that we are here. Oh, by your mercy, you purchased us. You did love us first. Lord, we do belong to you. Thank you that we can give ourselves to you one more time. Lord, I give, I give my family to you. I give my future to you. Thank you, Lord, we can give ourselves as a family to you.
Lord Jesus, we love you. Amen. Thank you that we could give ourselves to you. Amen. Lord, I consecrate myself, Amen. my entire family, Amen. our present and our future Amen. for your economy. consecrate myself to you. Amen. Uh, tonight I declare I consecrate myself to you. Amen. I consecrate for your economy. Amen. I consecrate for the building up of your body. Amen. Lord Jesus, Amen. I love you. Amen. 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 Lord, before you and before the church, Amen. Lord, I'd like to consecrate my whole being to you, Amen. my whole future, yes. my profession, right. my family, Amen. all my time and all of my energy Amen. to Christ and to the church Amen. for my whole life.
to consecrate my, my family to you and to the church in Adam. Amen. Lord, to live for your kingdom. Amen. To your kingdom. Amen. Lord, to do your will. Amen. Lord, to live unto you. Amen. the rest of our lives. Amen. Lord, we give your families what we have and what we don't have. Amen. Lord, we fear for you. Amen. We satisfy you. Amen. 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 
love you. Amen. We praise you for your grace and mercy. Amen. You're still here. Amen. Consecrate my whole life. Amen. Marriage. Amen. Service. Amen. Be a sacrifice to you. Amen. Food for God. Amen.
Saints, due to time, no more standing. And then after we're all done, then uh, Brother Benson's going to share a few more minutes. Amen.
congregation, it doesn't matter. I will follow you everywhere.
put on the altar and be burned to ashes for your satisfaction. Amen. I pray that your hunger will be satisfied. Amen. For you, I'd like to consecrate myself to you. Amen. For you and for the church. Amen. In a way that is more unreserved than before. Amen. Oh, Lord, do what you like, Lord. with us. Amen. And the Lord will bless everything that happened here tonight. Amen. I would like just to take a, a couple of minutes. You know, last week we asked you to, to consecrate yourself. We asked you to begin to have morning revival every morning. We asked you to uh, come to the Word every day and read some from the Word. Uh, and we ask you to spend some time to pray every day. And I hope most of us, and hopefully all of us, found a way to enter into those things. Now tonight, we would like to mention three, other, three more things. And brothers, the first thing is that we would learn to have corporate prayer with someone or ones two or three persons about three times a week. I know personally I've been practicing this for many, many years. And it has been a great supply to me. And then we like to ask you, brothers and sisters, to also begin to read the ministry. You know, either one message a day, if that's too much, a half a message a day. If that's too much, Three pages a day. If you just read three pages, every three days you read an entire message. And you will receive a great blessing just in reading the ministry. Although you may not be able to move so fast through, through your message after message. Still, only to read a small amount will be a great blessing to you. And then we like to ask you, to begin practicing and learn how to sanctify your finances. Learn how to give 10%. Learn how to give more. Lay out your finances in such a way, trusting in the Lord and meeting all the needs that you can in God's economy. To give in a proper way related to our finances is a great thing. Learn this while you're young, and eventually, I believe, the Lord will strengthen your faith, and you won't just be giving 10%, you'll be giving 12%, you'll be giving 15%, you'll be giving 20%, because you know how to trust the Lord, and the Lord meets your needs, even though you give so much to carry out God's intention on this earth. Anyhow, we ask you to begin to practice and sanctify your finances unto the Lord. 
Learn how to give at least 10%. I know my parents, when I got a 50 cent, 50 cents, you know, back in those days, you didn't get much. You'd get whatever you got, a quarter, 50 cents. My dad and mother, they always said, okay, now you owe 10% of that to the Lord. And they trained me from the very beginning to give to the Lord. Well, that was a great help to me in my training. At any rate, brothers, I hope that we all can sanctify our finances. Do you all have any announcements? We'll, be come, we'll come together one more time, and that'll be next Wednesday night. And uh, we hope more will come, and we hope all of you will come and come back again. Amen. I believe the Lord has been with us these last two nights, Amen. and I believe the Lord will be with us this last time. Amen. Maybe after that we'll see what we want to do, but uh, we're talking about now just by next, about next Wednesday night. So let's do our best to come together, and I believe the Lord will be with us again. Praise the Lord for all His doings. Amen.